Hey there, this is Nathan. Welcome to the Camden Haven Anglican Church Podcast. I'm glad you're making the time to listen to this week's teaching. I'll have more to say at the end, but for now, let's dive right in. So good. Uh, G'day, my name's Simon, if we haven't met. And the more I... I didn't really think... <clears throat> sorry. Enough about that illustration this morning, uh, the more it plays... You know me, my family's in the business of uh, selling Hiluxes, so it's not an ad. It is kind of an ad, but it's not really. Uh, but the, the intention behind that uh, is just, it's one example of the everyday advertising we're just annihilated with, uh, telling us the truth that, or trying to convince us of this truth, that we don't have enough, that we need more. And if you want to be that person people can rely on in times of need, be there for your daughter in her time of anguish, missing her teddy, get a Hilux. It's all, it's just that simple. Uh, Today we continue this series uh, titled, Is God Good For You? Last week we heard from Julianne as we walked through, Is God Good For Your Neighbour? As we see the gospel transform our lives, our networks, our families. Today, is God good for your bank balance? It's a big topic. Uh, The world says no, because you might miss out on the holiday, the Hilux, the home renos. God says, well, God's word says, yes, God is good for your bank balance because God is able to bless you abundantly. I'm sure many of us have heard people get up in church, speak about money countless times. You've probably heard people speak about the verses in scripture on the dangers of money. Uh, And you've also probably heard people preach what is known as the prosperity gospel, uh, saying that if you give to God, God will give you prosperity, wealth and health. I only want to spend a short time addressing those things and more time focusing on thinking about what God's will is for you as someone who just has money and how to manage that well. As we think about scripture, just kind of broad brushstroke, 15% of everything Jesus said was about or related to money and possessions. 16 out of his 38 parables dealt with the topic of money. And the only subject that Jesus spoke about more than money was the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I feel kind of lazy when I think about money and giving. I have this kind of feeling of guilt when people, someone gets up and talks to me about it. I think, could I be giving more? Should I be giving to this other charity? I don't really know. Or I'll give it more time, you know, when I, when I have more stuff and when I'm a bit more comfortable. But if God's word speaks about money this much, uh, I think we need to at least be intentional or just think carefully about how we use the money that God has given us. And so just briefly, to think about some of the the words uh, in Scripture as we think about the dangers of money. It's a powerful thing that can really consume us. Uh, In 1 Timothy 6, Paul says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people have even drifted away from the love of God because of it. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, Yeah, you you can't serve both God and money. And he uses that metaphor of uh, something that's impossible Uh, He says that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the writer of Hebrews saying, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So money is a really good thing that can be used to do incredible stuff, but it becomes a problem when it becomes our greatest treasure, our greatest joy and greatest security in life. When it comes to money in the church, if you're someone who has been burnt by the church in some way when it comes to this issue, I think it's important you want to be able to sniff out what is uh, 
greed just kind of in spiritual disguise. Uh, and so if you sniff something that's a little bit off, you're probably right. And so Joel Osteen, one example of someone who preaches the prosperity gospel, if you give to God, he will give you uh, back abundantly health, wealth, prosperity. Your life will be free from suffering and trial and persecution. The problem with that view is that it's just not in line with what Scripture says. And so I want us just to take some time to go through 2 Corinthians 9 this morning and see what Scripture actually says. So if you have a Bible, open that up, but it's also up on the screen. And so <clears throat> the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If you want to be generous... God will enable you to be generous. He goes on in verse 7 and says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give grumpily or just feeling like you have to give because everyone else is doing it, because God loves someone who cheerfully gives, someone who thinks, what a privilege. Thank you, God, for allowing me to be involved in this way. Maybe you think, oh, I love the idea of giving, but I can't really do it at the moment. Maybe if you understood my circumstances, the anxieties keeping me awake at night, the cost, my cost of living right now, maybe down the line I'll be able to, but just not right now. Well, I feel like I need to be wearing gold chains and have a private jet out the door as I read this, but this is God's word. Uh, here's the promise, the true prosperity gospel in verse 8. Paul writes, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless you abundantly. In all things, in rent, mortgage, uh, at all times, in childhood, uh, as, a, as a poor uni student, in early adulthood, or in, in retirement, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He goes on to quote Psalm 112 that Mandy read out for us in verse 9. He quotes, They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. This verse is saying that the righteous person who believes and trusts in God gives freely and generously because they've encountered God's grace. They've scattered their gifts to the poor. They seek to spread God's grace through the generosity they've encountered. He goes on in verse 10, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The most generous God who provides seed to the farmer, which becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away, which grows into fully formed lives, people coming to know and love Jesus. What's the harvest, though? Uh, we read on in verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's it. That's the harvest, thanksgiving to God. So if you want to be generous, uh, God will enable you to be generous. So I guess the question to ask isn't, can I give, but how? How can I give? How can I give whatever I have towards seeing this harvest of people giving thanks to God. At the start of Romans, very beginning, first chapter, we hear about God creating the world. Uh, it's amazing, but not 
or creation doesn't give thanks to its creator as it rightly should. If you've seen any kind of David Attenborough documentary, uh, you see the, the wonder, the beauty of creation. Just this week, uh, Bonnie and I watched this awesome farming documentary on Stan. It's called Biggest Little Farm. Uh, and it's just this couple who kind of turn around this farm over a few years and you see the soil and the plants and the animals working together. Uh, yeah, it's just incredible. But at no point is there any thanks given to the creator, the mastermind behind all of this. Did you notice all your, your mates at work giving thanks to God this week? Uh, the universe will never be a, a healthy place until it's filled with thanksgiving to God. And so, this is taken from the Bible Project, by the way. Great resource, just for kind of thinking about whole books of the Bible. But in this letter, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is calling all the partnering churches to give to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, who are really poor at this moment, and they're persecuted, they're having a terrible time. And so he's saying, let's get together combine all of our money and uh, give to them as a symbol of our unity in Christ. Lots of Paul's partnering churches are able to do it, but the Corinthians, they kind of don't get their act together at this point. We'll come back to this. But in verses 13 and 14, we won't read the whole thing. Uh, Paul kind of says, to show that you're legit, you're genuine in your faith, uh, this is a symbol of that. But in verse 14, he says, in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. So these Christians you've never met are going to be praying for you, just as we heard about in Kairos ministry, because of this partnership in the gospel. And they're going to give for you as well, financially. It's going to cost them. So as they get this evidence of God's generosity in the collection, they'll understand God's generosity. Imagine a poor Jewish Christian family in Jerusalem struggling, persecuted, who received this collection from Gentile believers they've never met miles away. Imagine them kneeling and praying and saying, wow, thank you, God, for this incredible kindness showed to us through Christ. It flowed out of God's people to them, and that is the harvest. The harvest is men and women bowing and saying thanks to God, giving praise to him for this generosity they've encountered uh, through that financial gift and through our giving. So through our lives, may, may there be many more people thanking God for his incredible generosity through what we can do. So what? What does this mean for us this week? A um, couple of points to wrap up. So God's good for your bank balance because you're rich and it's more blessed to give than to receive. So firstly, thinking about uh, this controversial point. So Paul says in the early chapter, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. The gospel at its heart is a story of generosity. Jesus gave up his glorious wealth, lowered himself to die like a poor slave, so that other people who are impoverished through sin and death can be exalted and become wealthy through the riches of God's grace. So when we let this story shape us that we want to grow in generosity. So we know that this life we live right now is, is not our own. We've been bought at a price. A guy called uh, Randy Alcorn, won't be up on the screen, he wrote a, a great book called Money, Possessions and Eternity. He says, too often we assume that God has increased our income to increase our standard of living 
when his stated purpose is to increase our standard of giving. We think when God gives us more, maybe it's, yeah, for me to hold on to, but it's actually better for us to give through God's providence. So you're spiritually rich through Christ, lowering himself from riches to poverty for your sake. Uh, and if you're here today, in the eyes of the world, you are rich. The, there's a real temptation uh, for us to think when Jesus talks about the rich to go, oh, that's not me, that's someone else, I'm not in Europe right now, like my life's pretty ordinary. The reality is, if you have food in your fridge, clothes in your back, a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in your bank, your wallet and some spare change, you're among 8% of the world's wealthy. Uh, we're not poor, we're, we're rich, we just don't believe it because we're being bombarded by advertising saying we don't have everything, you need more to have a, a perfect, the fulfilled life. Materialism promises to make us complete, to make us whole, but money makes a terrible God. So we are rich and secondly, it's more blessed to give than to receive. A guy called Rico Tice in the UK, great pastor, uh, said this, says, if you want a dead church that has no impact on the world, it won't cost you very much. As long as this church is alive and determined to make an impact on the world for Christ, it'll cost us more and more for the needs around us and the opportunities are vast. It's pretty incredible to think about, just been chatting to a few people this week about people's generosity locally here at this church. Anyone met this man before or know of this man, Orb Costa? Yeah, he's a bit of a local legend. Um, Orb owned, in partnership with three other women, so these women, Rose, Laurel, Joan, owned 300, lake, sorry, 300 acres of land uh, in Lakewood. Orb donated 150 acres of land to South Sea Evangelical Mission. Conference centres were built just up the hill from here. Mission Terrace was built, that road we drive along. The Newcastle Anglican Diocese developed the first section of land right here that we're on today. And when Orb was asked why he donated 150 acres of land, uh, he said, I want to develop the land and use it for God's kingdom. South Sea Evangelical Mission was taken over by a new tribe's mission, then Crossview, which is now occupied by Word of Life, just up the road. His building, it speaks for itself, uh, the amount of people who are here each week hearing from God's word. Through Orb donating this land for the purpose of building God's kingdom, there have been missionaries trained up, thousands of people reached locally, all over Australia, internationally with the gospel, hundreds, thousands of people being discipled here every week in their faith on this land because one man heard the gospel and wanted to use that, uh, what he had been given, so many more could find Jesus. We're hearing about community at three, incredible ministry every week uh, for those in need of housing and food in our local area. Every week, people are donating money, food, time for this to happen. A bus has been donated, so those who can't get there uh, are able to find transport there. That bus is being used every week at youth group, so kids, local area can come and hear the gospel every Friday night. Uh, every year, youth group goes to Katoomba Youth Convention. Each year, we have a bake sale, wash cars, raise a bunch of money so kids don't miss out on going. Uh, we've raised over 2,000 pretty much every year, which is just incredible. People's generosity uh, 
paying like 50 bucks for a slice of brownie or something. Uh, <laughs> I had one couple in church this year and another, another person approached me and they said, how much does it cost? Sent a kid along to Katima Youth Convention. It's about 200 bucks the weekend. Uh, and they said, yep, we'll cover it straight away. Just incredible. The last few years we've seen heaps of kids make decisions to follow Jesus, just change their eternity. I just want to close with a bit of a random story, but I think it, um, hopefully it's, yeah, it's memorable for you. We have friends down in Melbourne and they have two kids, their eldest boy is four, and one week their four-year-old went along to preschool. And at preschool we heard about foster kids, uh, heard about how kids in foster care can have, yeah, a whole range of a really rough start to life and um, just different parents over time. Something in that grabbed his little four-year-old heart. So he went home and he made some flyers for his local neighbourhood, uh, handed them out, and you can tell he's from Melbourne because he wanted to raise money by making pastries and making coffees. Uh, <laughs> and his dad said his latte out was pretty average, but, you know, uh, he's getting better, he's getting better. His four-year-old raised $41 for Anglicare Victoria foster care. Four-year-old, incredible. Can you imagine how proud his mum and dad would have been? Like, all on his own initiative, just wanted to do it because his heart was moved and he saw a need. Can you imagine how proud your Heavenly Father was, would be seeing his children using what they've been given to build his church, be on mission for him, use what we've been given so many more can know and find Christ? How can you give this week towards the building of God's kingdom? Let me pray for us as we close. Father, we thank you so much for your incredible generosity to us through Christ. That though he was rich, he became poor for our sake so we could know the incredible riches of your grace. We thank you for your daily providence to us, for all that we have, all that we've been given. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would mould us and shape us to live like Christ, to not hold on to what we've been given, but to live generously. So your church will be built and the name of Jesus will be magnified through all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi again, this is Nathan. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that we shared something that's helpful to you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little more about us, we are Camden Haven Anglican Church. We're a church that tries not to be too churchy and more relational. We meet every Sunday. We have four services at two locations. If you want to connect with us, you can find more about us on our website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or just send an email to info at havenanglican.com. If this teaching has blessed you, we'd love to hear from you wherever you are in the world. And we pray that we've helped you to grow a little more into Jesus today. See you next time.